Well, actually, it's brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know MMA ticket prices tend to drop right before the event starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Hey, UFC 244 is coming up. Want to see how much it will cost you to get close to the action? There's a quick way to find out. And if you like the deal, you can just close it in two taps. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Well, Actually, the Athletic MMA's podcast about MMA and other stuff. You know... I feel like we've gotten to know each other well enough for me to let you in on a secret. I know I may come across as a mostly pessimistic person, what some would call a negative Nancy or a Debbie Downer, or what some would call a skeptical nihilist who takes little joy in life and consumes way too much true crime content. And, well, that could be too to the fact that that's what I am like 80% of the time, but on some level deep, deep, and I mean way deep inside of me, there is an optimist. There is somebody who believes the best in people. There's somebody who believes that there are very few true, legitimate assholes in this world. And that despite their uncanny ability to poison everything around them, the trolls, they're actually not that numerous. The optimist in me believes, or wants to believe, that most people are, well, like me. Flawed, error-prone, kind of dumb and clumsy sometimes, but mostly just trying their best. And I've noticed that I sometimes find myself in bad social media interactions that don't necessarily involve bad people, or even people with bad intentions. Yeah, sometimes it is a guy with seven numbers on his Twitter handle and an anime avatar saying that I have a poorly assembled face. But sometimes people just legitimately don't seem to understand why whatever message they're trying to convey isn't going over that well. I've heard people genuinely ask me, what is the problem with snitch tagging? Or even what snitch tagging is? And why I got so mad when they were just trying to help me by policing my feelings and thoughts and reactions. So, I came up with some ideas to clear the air. And you'll hear all about them in an episode that I'm calling Things You Might Want to Try to Avoid Doing If You Want to Make Life Online a Little Less Annoying for People. They're just loose suggestions, really. I hate starting things with disclaimers because that's when people get bored and move on to better stuff. And if you're going to do that, may I suggest the podcast Running From Cops, which is just superb. But I'm just going to preface this by saying that this little list is something I came up with all on my own. Seriously, there are no accomplices except for our producer, Chris, who is complicit with whatever insanity I come up with each week. So please, if you don't like the list, make sure to blame it exclusively on me instead of just saying that millennials are ruining everything or that feminists suck the fun out of the internet. Nope, it's just one very specific millennial feminist doing the ruining here today. Also, this is supposed to be somewhat playful, so try not taking it personally if I struck a nerve. I'm sure I have a lot of behaviors that other people find annoying, like answering mostly with GIFs and resurrecting meme formats that are like, so five seconds ago. I just so happen to have been given a podcast by the nice people at The Athletic, and though I can't really understand why, here we are. You're feeding this monster, so now deal with it. 
Now, on to our first item. If you feel like snitch tagging someone, how about not snitch tagging someone? Now, the term pretty much explains itself, but I have had people ask me what snitch tagging is. So, basically, it's including a person who's being mentioned in a tweet or in a Twitter conversation by adding their Twitter handles. It can be done both in a negative and positive context, but I believe with my non-existent research and scientific backing that doing it negatively is more common, hence the word snitch, which generally isn't used in positive ways. Now, to talk about this, let me propose an exercise. Say you're a public person. Say your online presence is already filled with people who have absolutely no shame about coming over to you and letting you know just exactly what it is that they don't like about you, or your work, or your nose, or the way your ear holes align. There's video of you up there on YouTube. So if you ever want to see the full scope of how mean-spirited and hurtful an insult can be, you just have to click on a link and voila! plenty to choose from. I mean, I'm not even famous and I've had my fair share of that. I'd like to highlight the guy who said I looked like I'd been on a quote-unquote fishing accident and also to send a shout out to the one who said I looked like Luke Thomas's sister. I took that one as a compliment actually, but I digress. Yeah, so say you are famous and you're already exposed to an unhealthy amount of opinions that people have on you. Would you like on top of it all, to be included in conversations that you wouldn't even have seen otherwise? Would you like to be informed of every thought that every person on the internet has had on you? I've legit had a guy snitch tag on a tweet about that I made about, I kid you not, Machine Gun Kelly. Do you think Machine Gun Kelly cares what this random Brazilian lady thinks of him? I think not. I think if he cared what people thought of him, he wouldn't have tried that terrible takedown of Eminem. And what is there to be gained from it? If you're snitch tagging, what are you expecting really? A thank you? You think this person you're introducing to the conversation is going to be grateful and invite you to spend summers with them in the Hamptons? Or do you think you're enacting some type of internet justice there? Are you sure this is the best use of your time? Because people who really want to know what is being said about them can just risk looking like self-absorbed sociopaths and vanity search their own names. And you? you just end up looking like, well, a snitch. And nobody likes a snitch. One answer I got when I first talked about this on Twitter was, oh, but you shouldn't be saying this about a fighter if you don't want said fighter to see it. Uh, my Twitter is public, and I'm using their names, and some of them follow me. I'm not a stupid meaning. I have to interview these people, so I'm not going to go around talking crap about them. And also, I'm not an asshole. I have no interest in going around trashing anyone, fighters included, for no reason. I just sometimes crack jokes, always making sure I'm being respectful, like a lot of my colleagues do on fight nights, because we're kind of pathetic and clearly have made some terrible choices in life. My point is, the internet is already filled with unsolicited opinions and advice, so why make it worse? And I get the irony in the fact that I'm saying this while doing a podcast consisting of unsolicited opinions and advice. But in my defense, you're the one who came all the way over here to listen. So this one's on you and your poor choices in life. Now, there's another type of tagging, which is not supposed to be negative. Like, sometimes I'll say something nice about a fighter and somebody will tag them. Yeah, I know, but that's not great either. And again, I propose a simple exercise to make my point. 
Consider you are the person who wrote the tweet. You had the option of adding the handle there, and yet you didn't. There has got to be a reason for that, right? There was a conscious decision in there somewhere, right? So, if you're not the author of the tweet, perhaps try respecting that decision and just not adding the freaking handle. It's less work, really. Again, I'll speak for myself here, but this job is pretty hard. Having ideas is hard. Pursuing stars is hard. Writing columns and features and podcasts, all of it is hard. And MMA can often be a little toxic and disappointing. But it can also be a lot of fun. And part of the fun is being able to gather around on fight night and crack jokes and be silly together. If I can even do that, then what's left? Actually going outside and risking having actual conversations with real-life humans? What is this? The Middle Ages? Again, I get how this could sound a little hypocritical, considering what this episode consists of. But in my defense, I'm not here giving people orders. I'm just encouraging them to maybe, perhaps, who knows, if they're so inclined, try not making shit worse for everyone. It's more like chill guidelines. Think of me like the Amy Poehler character in Mean Girls, if it helps. I'm not a regular podcaster. I'm a cool podcaster. But anyway, like I said, I'm not trying to talk to the active trolls who go out of their ways to make life miserable for people here. First, because they're probably too busy watching Ben Shapiro videos and reading the work of Jordan Peterson to listen to this. And second, because I'm not a licensed mental health professional and I am not touching that mess. Instead, I am talking to reasonable people who sometimes act in condescending ways that they don't even realize. The ones I like to call the reaction police. That's another thing I notice people don't often see that they're doing, and they seem to be caught off guard when I express my dissatisfaction at them. I think that's something that my female colleagues can relate to, and I think that has to do with the fact that we're so used to condescension that we can actually see coming from a mile away, intentional or not. So, an example. Say a textbook troll came in and said that he has an enormous penis, but he wouldn't waste it on me because he doesn't fuck threes. That's a true story, by the way. I actually heard that. And I decide to respond to him because, you know, I'm feeling like it. I happen to have, you know, an extra couple of minutes and some energy. And that's an easy target for me to dunk on and feel like I'm like clever for a few seconds. And then inevitably, here it comes. Don't feed the trolls. That's just what they want. Or don't waste your time with this. Or you shouldn't care what these people think. Or... Just block them and move on. I know, I know, before you get mad at me, I do understand that often it comes from a good place. That a lot of these people just want to show solidarity, and that's the best way they know how. But notice the imperative voice here. Notice how they're not judging what the troll did, but rather how I reacted to it. It's quite condescending. See, here's the thing. When I respond, I make a choice on what to do with my time and my typing on my Twitter. So maybe before telling people how they should react or how they should feel about something, you might want to consider that that's something that they have already decided for themselves. Consider that, as adults, we know we have the option to block or mute or just don't address it altogether, and yet we chose to go this particular route at this particular moment. The person who did the shitty thing is the troll. He did the action. And yes, I use he a lot because we all know damn well who the trolls usually are. But if you really want to show solidarity, which is pretty cool, by the way, 
How about focusing on that, on the action of the asshole, instead of our reactions to them? Also, sometimes what seems like just a random, unimportant avatar trolling us, or shit that should just really roll off our backs, it feels bigger than that to us. Sometimes, me for instance, I'm having a bad day, or I read something that's a little more triggering, or it just adds up, and I want to react. Or I don't, really, not consciously, but I'm just so tired of reading the same stuff over and over that it just comes out. It's like an automatic reaction. And I should be allowed to do that, too. If I may interest you in some homework, one of my favorite authors, Roxane Gay, wrote a gorgeous essay about this called The Pleasure of Clapping Back. It's on Medium. But say you don't want to read that or even acknowledge what I'm saying. Here's the magical thing about the Internet. You can absolutely do that, too. You can do nothing about all the things. And I think that's something that all of us lose sight of. And I include myself in this group. We don't have to interact with every little thing that we see. We can just see a tweet and not like it or not reply to it and go on about our days as if nothing happened. Of course, this isn't the same as saying that we should never engage. Sometimes a person is being offensive and harmful and they absolutely deserve to get called out. But that's different. I'll give you an example because I've actually been dying to talk about this here and I'll take any opening I can get. But just this week, we had a coach who decided it would be cool to say that, and I quote, men are better fighters than women and not just fighting, all athletics. Okay. Anyway, he got dragged for that and he freaking deserved it. But sometimes people are just saying things that they want to say and it's not toxic or harmful and they're not spewing sexist rhetoric in the process they're just venting or just you know sometimes talking about things that aren't that interesting and that's fine too you always have the option of not engaging you can just let people be and speaking of which let's move on to the next item shall we you know that stick to sports person yeah you might want to try not being that person either now One thing that's common in sports Twitter in general, but I do notice it a lot in MMA. People sometimes come into your account with expectations of the content they're going to get, right? Especially if they found you during fight night when there's an obvious theme going on. And then they realize that this is not what they're going to get all the time. They realize that you're an actual person with thoughts and feelings and political views. And just because you cover cage fighting, it doesn't mean you don't get to express all these things. Well... In my personal experience, I often just see a clear movement. There is an influx of new followers on Saturday and then an exodus on Monday. When I talk about how capitalism is ruining us all. And that's fine. It's perfectly fine that somebody has expectations of your content and that they leave when they don't get what they wanted. Quiet unfollows are a blessing and I'm a huge fan of them. What is less fine is when that person voices their complete disappointment in you for not providing the exact content that they wanted. That's when you get the variations of the stick to sports replies. Well, there are a few layers to that. I noticed that that discourse shows up more frequently in the timelines of the people who, like me, are more left-leaning in their politics. I don't personally get a lot of it because I don't have that many followers and I also mute freely but I see a lot of it with my more famous colleagues and they don't really have to be exactly left-leaning like you see it when they criticize Trump 
or when they bring up, say, blatant human rights violations promoted by Chechen dictators. You know, stuff that should be pretty common sense among people with operational nervous systems. But some people just don't think that that's our place to discuss. And again, there's more that goes into it. There is what seems to be the prevalent political bias in the combat sports sphere, which is right-leaning, to put it generously. And there's this often debunked, but somehow undying narrative that sports can somehow be entirely detached from politics. Newsflash, they cannot. But even if you take all of this complicated stuff out, here's a simple fact. Unless I have missed all the checks that have come through my mail, Twitter is not a subscription service that I provide. I, along with I believe all of my colleagues, I don't get paid for what I write on Twitter. Yes, our accounts are often platforms to promote our work and make professional connections, but it's still a personal space. And how entitled do you have to be to go out of your way to just go to someone and tell them that they should adjust whatever it is they're saying to your specific tastes and needs? Again, and I cannot stress this enough, not interacting is absolutely an option. So it's muting blocking, unfollowing. If you want, just want people who just talk fighting all the time, I can assure you the internet is full of options. Again, just let people be. And on a similar note, ever heard of whataboutism? Yeah, you don't want to be the person doing that either. Now, there's this interesting thing that sometimes happens when we address an issue. Someone comes out of the woodwork to ask you why, Instead of talking about this specific thing that you chose to talk about in this particular occasion, why aren't you talking about all the other things in the world? Some of which, by the way, you have in fact already talked about in the past. Okay, I get that this might sound a little bit abstract, so I'll give you an example. Just last week, I posted a link to my Greg Hardy episode, and then I got a reply from, and I swear I'm not making this up, quote, Typical MMA fan, unquote, that was his actual Twitter name, who answered, funny how no one has issues with other fighters like Rumble or BJ. Dude, who is no one? The same people who are talking about Hardy are in fact usually the ones talking about Anthony Johnson and BJ Penn. In fact, in that same episode that I had linked to, I had talked about Johnson. And in the episode that followed. But that person who came to me on Twitter... They didn't care about that, did they? They just wanted to discount my argument, as if unless you address all the bad things involving that particular subject all at once, then you shouldn't be addressing it at all. There's a word for that. It's called whataboutism, and it's basically when a person tries to dismiss your argument as hypocritical without disproving it in any way. And I'm sorry if, if this is something that's obvious to most people, but I just recently learned this term in English. We don't have it in Portuguese, and I found it magical that you had a very specific word for it. In any case, it's a really transparent strategy. And it accomplishes nothing. If you really want to start a conversation about a topic that you genuinely care about and that you do feel is not addressed enough, by all means do that. But barging into an entirely separate conversation with nothing to add, really? This ain't it, chief. Next. Oh, here's an easy one. When there's a link attached to the tweet, maybe try opening it before getting mad at the headline. And that's, that's pretty much it. That one's pretty self-explanatory, I believe. 
A lot of miscommunication and just general negativity could be avoided online if people were simply talking the same language instead of just yelling over each other in their own little rage dialects. But if you absolutely must yell, here's another easy suggestion. Maybe try not adding extra letters to Connor and Rhonda's names. Okay, I realize how petty this one sounds, but I allowed myself one extremely petty item on this list. And this is the one that I'm going with. See, I hate being the grammar police. As you know, maybe because I bring it up every five seconds, this is my second language. So I make mistakes all the time. There are typos and people write stuff in a hurry and they misspell shit. And that's okay. I believe that as long as you understand what the person is saying, it's fine. You're not that their teacher. And it's actually kind of douchey to keep correcting them. And yes, that also applies to when they can't tell the difference between Y-O-U-R and Y-O-U apostrophe E-R. But dude, Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey are the two names that you really cannot escape in MMA. They're everywhere, for better or worse. In Conor's case, mostly worse. They've been all over headlines for years. Often when people reply to tweets and news about them, their names are written right there. Not to mention, they're spelled in the easiest way possible. At this point, it takes real commitment to get it wrong. It's not like it's Yoan and Yang Jajak, like you actually have to add consonants in order to get their names wrong. And still, Connors with two N's and Rhonda's with an H haunt the freaking internet. Like that overused gif of the woman spitting out her drink when she laughs, which, okay, maybe that's two petty items, but we'll end on a more positive note to make up for it. How about just trying to be generally cooler and try to get where the people are coming from? Yeah, before you ask, I do realize how absolutely cheesy I'm going to sound. But hey, why does that have to be a negative thing? Cheese is awesome and it's so versatile. It can go on top of pasta and inside sandwiches. And it can be a dessert all at the same time. How many food items can claim that? But I digress. The point is, unlike cheese, the world kind of sucks like a lot of the time. And though we often like to talk shit about the internet, because granted, it has incel forums and Tommy Laren, it's also a place where a lot of us make important social connections and find support during tough times. I mean, that's certainly the case with me. I tweeted about that this week, when I thank people who have reached out to me with kind words recently, and something Twitter friend PDNGia said really stuck with me. This is a quote. I have a general rule that if I have something negative to say to someone, I question it three times first. If I have something positive to say to someone, I try to say it right away. The world needs less hot takes and more good chairs. And uh, yeah, that's kind of a cool way of going about it, if you ask me. I'm not saying we all have to be all rainbows and puppy videos all the time, because the world isn't rainbows and puppy videos all the time. But it is entirely possible to address serious issues and call people out on bad behaviors and still try to be compassionate and kind and funny when the occasion allows. It's also possible to understand that people don't react to things the same way that you do, and that as long as they're not hurting others with their words or their behavior, they're totally allowed to do that in peace. Unless they're adding H's to Rhonda's name, of course, in which case we can just like politely nudge them. That's what I try to do at least. And even if it's impossible to always succeed at all those things all the time, Lord knows I don't, especially when it comes to the being funny part. I think there's something cool about trying. I mean... What else can we do, really? And that's going to do it for today. 
I hope I have helped make your week even slightly better in any way, whether it was through here or Twitter or any direct interactions you may have had with me. If I haven't, well, there's always next week. I'll be here as usual with more MMA and other stuff.